Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord, for that, that all of our needs are met. Lord, I thank you that you've done it all. I thank you that resurrection power is living inside of us. I thank you the floodgates of heaven are open over our lives. Lord, we thank you we're walking in the fullness of God and the provision of God. I thank you that you've taken care of everything. And we give you glory this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. And thank you for joining us. And I want to I just share something here before I get into this message. I want to I say thank you to a few people, <clears throat> to our worship team. I want to say thank you to our, our media team, our staff who have been just, just continuing to work during all this, continue to come in and to serve because they, they love it. They love you. They love Jesus. And I want to say thank you to them. And they're doing an awesome job. Thank you so much, everybody. Also, I just want to say this too before I get into the message that that we're um, our our vision, our desire is to be a resource, a help to our community um, during all this time. We do have uh, food banks still available, and pickup is at Wednesday is on Wednesdays at five o'clock. And if you need something and it's not Wednesday, just call us. We have limited some hours with some of the staff, but if someone's not here, leave a message. We'll get back to you as quick as we can. And we want to try to take care of everybody during this time. So if you do need anything, please let us know if you have suggestions, how we can do better, how we can help more people. We want to know because we, that's, our, that's our desire. I know it's your desire to help our community during this time. But um, So that's, that's that. I know it's been kind of a, a long time now. It feels like, I guess it's been right at going on a month. And um, it looks like it's going to be at least another week or so before we get, maybe two weeks until we get into the phase one, phase two. But I'm just believing that things are going to move quickly, that the Lord's going to do something just miraculous in all of this. And um, this morning, I've got a word I want to share with you that's going to be hopefully an encouragement to you. And I want to go ahead and start. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I read this as I began this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me read it again. Verse four, my speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the spirit so that your faith may not be based on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And that sounded really good. You can welcome to keep playing if you guys want to. I don't mind that one bit. Um, but listen, we need to have our faith based on not men's wisdom, but on the power of God. He says this, he says, my words were not with wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration of the Spirit's power. Listen, you can go, you can go shopping for cars. You can walk through the car lot and you can, see, you can see all the different cars. You can sit down and talk to the car salesman. And he can tell you how fast the car can go from zero to 60. He can, he, can, he can show you the nicest car and say, this car will go from zero to 60 in six seconds. I think I have my first car went from zero to 60 in six minutes. But this, he said, man, this car will go from zero to 60 in six seconds. And it's one thing to hear it. But how many of you know when you get in the driver's seat and you get a demonstration of power, that demonstration, you can, now, you can now take it to the bank. That car will do what they said it will do. See, this is what we got to get into our hearts. God doesn't want just a bunch of words that are meaningless in your life. 
he wants you to understand something. This word has the power to back up what it says. This is a word of power. Listen, my, my kids, when they were little, probably like your kids, they like to dress up in costumes, right? And we had a bunch of costumes for, for the boys, but they only wanted one. They only want Spider-Man. And they said just, they, they wanted to dress up like Spider-Man all the time, no matter where they went, they were Spider-Man. And that made it awkward sometimes to go to the grocery store. And I would get Spider-Man into the shopping cart and I'd push him around the aisles and people would stop and say hello to Spider-Man. And for a little while, my son, when he was about two or three, everywhere he went, he was Spider-Man. And we took him one time to the, the beach and he started to do this thing where he said, you have to call me Spider-Man. He didn't want to be called by his name anymore. He said, I want you to call me Spider-Man. And so one day, now this had been a while and, and he kind of had forgotten about the Spider-Man thing for a little bit. And we got into the, to the car, we went to the beach and suddenly he put on a shirt and it had a picture of Spider-Man on it while he was at the beach. And he remembered, oh yeah, Spider-Man, I'm Spider-Man. And we went to the beach and, and my wife at one point called him over. She said, come here. And, and he wouldn't respond. No, hey, Luke, come here. And he wouldn't respond. She called him five times. People on the beach are watching like, hey, this lady can't control her kid. What's going on? And finally she remembered, oh yeah, he thinks he's Spider-Man. And she said, Spider-Man, come here. He turned around right away, big grin on his face and just came marching over. See, he thought he got so ingrained in his head, that's who he was, he wouldn't respond to anything else. Now there's a good lesson there. We need to believe who we are. When this word, whatever this word says about us, that's what we need to believe. And when the world tries to say something else, we don't even respond, no, 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 that's not who I am. I am who the word of God says I am. But you know, he didn't have the power to back up who he claimed he was. He can claim he's Spider-Man all day long, but the long and short of it is, at the end of the day, he didn't have the power to back up what he was saying. I want you to understand something. This word says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Come on, you can type amen this morning. I need some encouragement because it feels a little empty in here. I got, I got one of our worship team sitting over here. Thank you, brother. You can be my amen shatter this morning, but if you type amen, it would just help me out. And if you do something else, I forgot to mention this. If you'd share this video, we want some people to hear this word this morning. Can you just get on there, take a second, hit the share button and share it. But I wanna, I wanna tell you, the word of God says, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. Look, if you got the Holy Ghost on you, what do you got? You've got power. You shall receive, he didn't say you might receive power. He didn't say if you're a preacher, you're gonna receive power. Look, if you're an, an evangelist or suddenly I've become a tele-evangelist, uh, that doesn't mean I have power. Well, I'll tell you what, it, what, when you get power is when you get the Holy Spirit. If you've got the Holy Spirit on you, you've got power. He says this in 2 Peter, he says, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. See, his power's in you. His power wants to, he wants to work his power through you, but you gotta, you gotta start recognizing you've got power to live this life. You've got power to do what this word says. I want you to understand and come to, to a place of power today in your life. 
where this isn't just words. See, we need a demonstration of power. In our world today, we need a demonstration of the power of God. Because it's not enough just to talk about it. It's not enough just to tell people, hey, it's okay, God can, God can help you. We need a demonstration that what we're saying is true. We need to start talking like we've got some power. We need to start walking in power. We need to start demonstrating power. I looked up this word. It seems dumb, doesn't it? Demonstration. Everybody knows what demonstration. It's show and tell, right? When you're a kid and you go to school, it's not enough just to talk about something. They want to see it. Hey, I've got this dog at home and it's, it's my dog. And No, no, no. It's, this is show and tell. We don't want to hear about your dog. We want to see it. We want to feel it. We want to touch it. Here's what the word demonstration, Noah Webster defines this way. He says, it's the highest degree of evidence demonstration, the highest degree of evidence, such proof as establishes a fact beyond doubt. When you start demonstrating the power of God, when you start saying not just, hey, Jesus can set you free, but you start praying with authority, people start getting set free and demons start leaving and people start getting healed and, and the dead start getting, now you, now you got some demonstration. So you're not just telling, you're showing and telling, amen. But we got to start walking with some power in our lives. You shall receive power. You shall receive it. Look at, look at this with me. Acts chapter 8. And I hope this encourages you this morning because we're in a season where people need to see some power. They need to see the church has what it takes to back up their words. Because we've been making a lot of claims for years. It's time to demonstrate. You with me? Okay. Type amen. Acts chapter 8. There's a story here in, in verse 4. It's about a man named Philip. And there was, a, there was persecution happening in the church, and people were being scattered. And, and Philip was just an just a ordinary guy. He was a, he was a deacon. And deacons back at that time, you know why they chose deacons was because they, the apostles didn't want to take time away from preaching, from praying, from ministering to go wait on tables because they were serving people meals. And so they appointed some deacons to take care of serving the meals. So Philip was going out. He was waiting on tables. He was a busboy. He was a waiter. I mean, it was now he was he was chosen as somebody who had the spirit of God on him, and it was an honored thing. But his his function, his role, was to wait on tables. And and when the persecution hit, Philip got he he got up and left. But you know what he did? He went around and started preaching. And look at what it says in Acts chapter eight, verse five. Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he proclaimed the message to them. The crowds paid attention with one mind to what Philip said as they heard and saw the signs he was performing. So listen, he was preaching and then there was a demonstration of power to illustrate what he was talking about. He came in and he said he was preaching the good news. The good news is Jesus has set you free. He can't set you free from your affliction today. And demon-possessed people were there. And in the name of Jesus, demons started fleeing. There was people paralyzed, it says, and who were, who were lame. And in the name of Jesus, they got up and started walking. There was a demonstration of power 
to illustrate what he was talking about. Listen, we can't just talk about this word. We got to start demonstrating this word. We can't just talk about, hey, Jesus can, Jesus can make a way. Jesus can provide for you. We need to demonstrate that Jesus has made a way for us. Amen. So this morning, look at what it says in verse 8. There was great joy in that city. There was great joy in the city. When you, when you start letting God be God, when you start letting God have his way, See, you, he didn't come in and start saying, all y'all are going to hell and all y'all, you know, it might've been true, but he didn't say, all of you are a bunch of sinners and heathens and God hates you and he can't wait to, you know, no, he's, he's hanging you by a thread over hell. No, he didn't come in. He came in preaching the good news, signs and wonders following, and there's great joy. When you let God be God, people are gonna rejoice. People are gonna, they're gonna see the love of God being demonstrated for them. Hey, God, God healed him. God, God must be a God of love. God must be a God that cares about us. I think Pastor Kim spoke about that last week, that God is a God who cares about us. Listen, when God is God, when you let God be God in these situations, it's gonna bring joy to people's lives. It's the kindness of God, the word of God says, it's, the, it's his kindness that draws people to repentance. He's a good God, amen. See, listen, when we let God be God, I want to tell you something. When you start operating in this, because I'm telling you, this is for you today, church. This is for you. This isn't just for me. This isn't just for the worship team. It's not just for the staff. This is for you. This is for every one of us. When you have the Holy Spirit on you, you've got power. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, these signs will follow them who believe in my name. They'll drive out demons, they'll, and he goes on to the whole list. When it's, it's, who's it for? It's for those who believe. It's for you. When you let God be God, there is going to be an outbreak. I'll, I'll use the word. There's going to be a pandemic of joy. It's going to be contagious. People are going to be running around filled with joy because God's come down and touched them through you. Come on, I'm getting, I'm getting there. I'm gonna start preaching now. You are a representative of the kingdom of God on this earth. You have a responsibility to bring the kingdom. You have a responsibility. See, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's your job. You get to bring the kingdom. When people see the kingdom demonstrated, Wow, come on. Righteousness, peace, and joy are being ministered. Amen. We were in, our um, master's team was in Columbia several years ago. And, and uh, I remember we had an altar call. We were actually out in this plaza, an open air plaza preaching. And it wasn't a mass crusade. There weren't thousands of people, but there were, there were people all over the plaza spread out over a, a huge area. And we came in and we were worshiping and we were preaching and we asked for prayer. If anybody wants prayer, come down to the front. We had our students come to the front and pray for people that came. 
And there was this woman that came up with her young daughter. I think she was about six or seven years old and she couldn't walk properly. I don't remember what was wrong with her, but her feet were kind of twisted and mangled and she couldn't, it was a struggle for her to get to the front. And she'd been like that since birth. And the mother came down. She said, I heard the music. And so we, we came, we didn't really know what this was all about. We weren't, they weren't necessarily Christians, they just came. And she said, you asked for prayer. And so I thought, why not? And I brought my child down. And when this, one of the students prayed for her, her feet miraculously, I mean, in front of our eyes, straightened out. And the little girl who could barely walk was suddenly running all over the plaza. And I wanna tell you what happened. That woman came up to, to talk about it and to talk about her child with tears running down her face and the biggest smile I've ever seen. And she said, now I know that God is real. It was an outbreak. There was an outbreak in that place of joy because there was some oppression in that place, in that city. There's, there was some oppression of, of religion and some other things. But I want to tell you, when God touched that little girl, man, people saw that we had something to offer. They weren't just hearing a message. They were seeing the message. Amen. That's what God wants to do through you. That's what, listen, it wasn't me. I didn't even pray for the girl. One of our students prayed for her. And she was, he was kind of amazed. He said, wow, it really works, you know? And it was, it was incredible, but you gotta, you gotta start stepping out now and understand and believe that you've got something, you've got some power, you've got something to offer. I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter one for a second and looking at verse seven. But see, our, our world needs a demonstration of power. They don't need to hear a powerless gospel. I've, I, I bet you've had enough of powerless um, gospels in this world if you're watching today. You probably have heard some, some not in here, but you've heard some powerless messages. You know, I've had enough of it. I've had enough. I, I know God's had enough of hearing religious talk with no power. Listen, he, he's given you power. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 7. God's not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of what? Say it with me. Type it with me. Power. He's given us power, love, and sound judgment. Listen, if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you don't have fear. You've got the one who kills fear. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you've got the spirit of power. You got to understand this today. Because when you're, and he brings up fearfulness, because when you're afraid of something, it controls you. We were at a stoplight the other day and I, I noticed a, a, a woman sitting across like kind of catty quarter. Actually, my wife did. And she said, look at that woman over there. And she was doing this in the car. It looked like karate or something in the car going on. And I said, oh, she must have a bee in the car. And my wife said, no, she's dancing. And I said, I think, she, I think there's a bee. And my wife said, she's dancing. We went back and forth. I still think it was a bee because you know what happens if you're afraid of bees and it gets in the car or if you're allergic to a bee and it gets in the car, what do you do? You try to get that thing out of there. And listen, because when that thing comes in, the fear controls you. And it may not be, my kids are terrified of bees. I don't know why it's not rational. None, only one of them's ever been stung and that's because she stepped on a dead one and it's happened to get in her foot but they're terrified of it. But listen, when, when you're afraid of something, it controls you. 
but you have not been given a spirit of fear. You've been given a spirit of power because when you have power over something, you control it. Wow, come on, that was good. You control the thing. You've got, listen, you've got power over everything in this world. There's no, there's no disease that you, can, that you should be or need to be afraid of because you've been given power over disease, haven't you? There is no demon in hell that you need to be scared of because you've been given power over every demon. You've been given authority. I preached about resurrection power recently. When Jesus went to the cross, he broke the power of the devil. He broke the curse. There's nothing that the devil can bring against you that can touch you. You don't need to be afraid. There is nothing in this world you need to be afraid of. Death, death, where's your victory? Grave, where's your sting? Death's been swallowed up in victory. Come on, because Jesus is alive. We don't have to be afraid of anything anymore. We've been given a spirit, not of fear. We've been given the spirit, the Holy Spirit, whose power, who gives us love and sound mind. In, first, in, in 2 Timothy, now look at chapter 3. And looking at, in fact, let me just back up a couple verses. In, in 2 Timothy 3, looking at verse 1, he says, Know this, and difficult times will come in the last days, because people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. And he goes through this list and all kinds of terrible things that people are going to be. Listen, we're living in the last days. And I, I think it's becoming more and more obvious, isn't it? We're living in the last days. We go from earthquakes to um, disease across the world, a global scale, um, locusts taking over the continent of Africa, practically. We're living in the last days and we're seeing things beginning to manifest. But listen, this is what he says life is gonna be like in the last days, verse five, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. There is, there is a, a pandemic of Christians today who have a form of godliness but deny its power. And I'm not coming down on anybody and I'm not I'm not talk trying to talk bad about anybody but there is a there's teachings today that say the power was for the early church. There's teachings today that say, well, the power is really when we get to heaven. The power is that we get to go to heaven. They deny that there's power in this gospel. But I wanna tell you, we don't have a gospel of, that's powerless. We have a gospel of power. In fact, the apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter one, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because why? It's the power of God to salvation the power of God to make you whole, the power of God to break the curse, the power of God to set you free, the power of God to heal you, the power of God to give you victory in this life. It's power, we have a gospel of power, amen. I feel like I'm, feel like I'm, I'm preaching to, you can turn the volume down on your TV if you need to, okay? Don't worry about it. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter nine, some of you have already muted me. I know you're just waiting for the worship team to come back up. That's okay. We love you. Isaiah 9, I want you to look at this familiar verse, verse 7. 
Isaiah 9, verse 7, he says in in the King James, if we can throw the King James up there, he says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Of the increase of his government. Listen, I want to explain this for a minute because I'm talking about power. And there's this prophetic word spoken about Jesus. There it is. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And he talks about the throne of David and his kingdom. And listen, this is, this is a prophetic word that was spoken about Jesus. I heard someone say this recently. Jesus didn't come to bring religion. There was already plenty of religion here when he came. He came to bring a government. Now, people, some people don't like government, okay? Um, maybe you're not for government, but this isn't, this isn't that kind of government. I asked a group of students recently, I said, what do you, what do you think, what does government mean to you? And they just kind of smirked and laughed and didn't really have anything good to say. Listen, Jesus didn't come to bring that, he came to bring the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a system of government because government has to do with rule. It's his rule. And so listen to what he says, of the increase, his kingdom is increasing and growing of the increase of his government. And the word government, it means this, the exercise of authority. Of the, so let's read it that way, of the increase, or abundance is another word for that, of the abundance, of the exercise of his authority, there shall be no end. Of the, so let me say it again, you gotta, I want you to catch this because I'm moving, I'm going somewhere now, because I'm talking about the power that you have in this gospel of the increase of his rule, of his exercise of authority, there shall be no end. He came into this world to bring his rule. He came into this world to usher in his kingdom. The kingdom was established, listen, in power. The kingdom was established in power and it remains in power. I want you to flip over here for a second, Colossians chapter one, because I'm talking about the power that you have. We've got a gospel of power, Colossians chapter one. And look at verse 18. It says, he is also the head of the body. Who's the head of the body? He's talking about Jesus, right? Jesus is the head. Who are you? You're the body. He's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. So listen, he's the head and you're the body. You got to understand where you are today. You got to understand who you are today. If, If Jesus were on this earth in physical form, do you think he'd have some power? Do you think Jesus could still walk around and heal the sick? Do you think Jesus could still walk around and raise the dead? Do you think Jesus could still cast out demons? Of course he could. So listen, he's the head, his body is still here. The the body, the, the physical body, the human physical body was designed for work. It was designed to do the work that the head wants to do or the spirit wants to do. It's controlled by what's inside. 
And it's just a physical manifestation of what's happening in this earth. If I wanna walk across this stage and pick something up, if I wanna pick up this bottle of water, my body's gotta be the one doing the work. You are his body on this earth. So what does that mean? The Holy Spirit reveals to you what the, what the Lord wants to do, and now you as the body have the responsibility to do it. Are you with me? You have power. Look at chapter two, Colossians two. Look at verse eight. Be careful that nobody takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of this world and not based on Christ. Christ means the anointed one and his anointing. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ and you have been filled by him who's the head over every ruler and authority. You have been filled by Jesus Christ, who's the head of everything. So Jesus lives in you, you are the body. You were designed to do some work. You are his governing body on this planet. Think about, now think about that implication for a minute. You are the governing body of Jesus Christ. That means as part of the body, you are designed to function the way God wants you to function and do what God wants you to do. He wants you to demonstrate the power of God in people's lives. Even if you're at Walmart with, the, with people with masks on all over. I didn't, I didn't realize everybody was supposed to be wearing those things. I went to the store the other day and some lady was glaring at me. I said, I got home, I said to my wife, this lady was glaring at me. And she said, well, you're supposed to have a mask on. I said, I didn't know that, who said that? She said, the president said that. I didn't hear that message. I, he should have called me. I didn't know. But listen, you can, you can go be demonstrating the power of God from six feet away. You can say, hey, in the name of Jesus, I see you're in a wheelchair. In the name of Jesus, you get up and the Holy Spirit can go do something because you're his governing body. But you got to be hearing what he's speaking so you can demonstrate the power. That was a mouthful. Did you get that? You can rewind later and go listen to that again. People wonder, hey, why is God doing some of the, why is God doing some of this stuff on the earth? Why did God send this disease to, to hurt people? No, God, God's not about hurting people. You see it in Acts chapter 10. It says Jesus goes about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That means if you're sick, you're oppressed by the devil. Jesus didn't go around making people sick. Listen, he was the representation of God on this earth. And Jesus didn't go around making anybody sick. That means God doesn't go around making people sick. Did you, do you understand that? Jesus is, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So whatever Jesus was doing, the Father was doing. So if Jesus didn't go around making people sick, then God doesn't go around making people sick. But you know what Jesus did? He went around healing people who were sick and setting people free and casting out demons. So what are you supposed to do? All right, amen. It's getting quiet in here. Okay, it was quiet to start with, it's okay. Listen, the church is supposed to be carrying out the Father's business. But instead of speaking with authority every time something bad happens, the church starts telling people, well, God's mad at you. You better repent. If my people are called by my name, we'll repent. Why don't you guys just repent so God will stop making you guys sick? God didn't do it. 
Why don't you start? Why don't you start going around demonstrating the gospel? Why don't you start going around preaching the gospel? Why don't you start going around laying hands on the sick and seeing them get well? Why don't you start? Why don't you start walking in power instead of blaming God for all the bad stuff that's happening in the world? You're his governing body. If something bad's happened in this world, it's because you didn't do what you're supposed to do. Come on, I, I'll even step on your toes this morning if you would come in here, but no, you're not supposed to. We got a sign on the door. Mark, go to Matthew chapter 16. This is gonna end quick, guys. You're gonna see it. This is gonna end quickly. I'm just believing it and I'm declaring it and I want you to agree with me. This is getting silly, isn't it? Matthew chapter 16. I'll give you, Jesus said, the keys of the kingdom. Matthew 16, verse 19. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. Listen, you have authority. When Jesus spoke that, he was saying, I'm gonna give you some authority on this earth. You can do my work in this world, is what he was saying to those people. You can, you can bind things on earth that are bound in heaven. You can loose things on earth that are loosed in heaven. You've been given authority. You remember Peter, uh, not Peter, James and John wanted to call down fire from heaven. And Jesus said, no, you don't know what, what spirit you're of. Listen, you've been given authority, but you got to function according to the laws of heaven. So you can speak with authority today. When someone, when someone comes onto your property and it might be late at night and you see them sneaking around on your property. Now I know some of y'all are gonna get your guns and you're not gonna give them much chance, but if you, if you just step outside the door and say, hey, you're on my property, get out. That person needs to obey you. If he refuses, he's in violation of the law. You can call the law enforcement and what'll happen, they'll come to your house and they'll take that man away by force, whatever force necessary to remove him from your property because he has come in illegally. I want you to know in some lives of some people, if you're a believer, if, the, if some people, the enemy has come in in some area, you need to step up in authority and say, no devil, you can't come into my life because I've, been, I've got authority over you. You can't make me sick. You can't attack my, my family. You can't attack this thing. You have to go in the name of Jesus. And you know what'll happen? The Holy Spirit now, because you spoke those words, the Holy Spirit now goes into action and he'll go use whatever force necessary and drive that thing away because you spoke it with authority. But you have to speak up because if you're sitting at home and someone's sneaking around your property and you say, I guess he'll go away. I guess he'll just, uh, well, he's just breaking in one of the bedrooms. Well, I guess he won't take too much. No, you got to stand up and say something. You got to step up with some authority and use the authority that you've been given. Listen, you've been, giving a, you've been given authority by Jesus on this earth. Use it. Amen. See, everything the devil had in this world was taken away when Jesus went to the cross. He lost everything. If you're a believer, he's got no hold on your life. You can take authority over him. Amen. Look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. 
There's a familiar passage. Jesus is walking. He's hungry. He sees a fig tree. He goes to get a fig from the fig tree, even though it's not the time for figs. And there's no figs. And he looks at the fig tree and says, may nobody ever eat fruit from you again. He spoke a word, just a word, but he spoke it and he believed in his heart what he said. He spoke it with authority. When Jesus spoke things, they listened to, to things. They listened. He spoke to storms and they listened. He spoke to the waves and they listened. He spoke to demons and they listened because he spoke with authority. And so he said, may nobody ever eat fruit from you again. And look over in verse 20 of Mark chapter 11. They're coming by and they see the fig tree withered. Peter says, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. And Jesus says in verse 22, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Listen, you have power in this world. You have authority in this world, but it starts with this one word, faith. You gotta walk in faith. To walk in the spirit, you gotta walk in faith. To speak to people, to get up out of wheelchairs, you gotta walk in faith. He says, have faith in God. I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now listen, he had just cursed a fig tree because there was no figs in a time where it wouldn't bear figs. Now you tell me what the need was to curse that thing. He just wanted to demonstrate something. He was demonstrating the power of God. He was demonstrating faith. He was demonstrating that you could speak to things and have them obey you. It's a demonstration. See, this, isn't a, this gospel is a show and tell gospel. This gospel is a demonstration gospel. If you, if you got something you don't like in your life, you've been given authority to speak to it. You've been given authority to change it. This world is always changing and it's supposed to change and you're supposed to be the change agent in this world. So if you see some things you don't like in this world, in your life, in your family, you speak to it. You, you pray and say, in the name of Jesus, you get out of here. You, hey, mountain, you're supposed to be speaking to some mountains in your life. You're supposed to be speaking to diseases. You're supposed to be speaking to demons. You're supposed to be speaking to the weather. You do some speaking. If you don't like it, change it. Jesus said, he didn't say, if you, if you pray to me, you can move the mountain. He says, no, if you say to the mountain, go, it'll go. But you got to understand. See, the difference is sometimes we think God, we're just waiting on God to do it. Lord, I pray one day you just move that mountain. Lord, I pray one day that you would just come down and you'd pick up that mountain and you'd throw it away from me. Lord, you know, I've been looking at that thing for years. and I, I just wanted to go, Lord, I just feel so bad. And we start begging God and we start talking to God about how bad our problems are. We start... Lord, I pray you just do it instead of doing what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? He didn't say, pray and ask God that when he feels like it, he'll move the mountain. He said, you speak to that mountain because you are the governing body of Jesus on this earth. So if there's something, there's some demon that's come against you, hey, in the name of Jesus, go, I don't have to pray about it. Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, just remove that demon one day, just send him back to hell when you feel. In the name of Jesus, demon, go you got to start speaking with authority. Are you with me this morning? 
Amen. You got to speak with authority. So he says, say to the mountain, be lifted up and thrown in the sea and don't doubt in your hearts. Don't doubt in your heart when you say something. Hey, when you say be healed in the name of Jesus, it's not a, I wonder if this will work. Hmm. Hey, do you think it worked? No, you believe in your heart when you speak, something's going to happen. I remember we had a guy in, uh, I don't remember where we were, Dominican Republic last a couple years ago. And, and he came up for prayer and he was blind in one eye. Now, I, I've prayed for blind people before and sometimes I haven't, I haven't seen them healed. But you know what I do? I keep believing that when I pray, something's gonna happen. I don't say, well, I haven't seen this before, but let's go ahead and try it. No, you go ahead and you pray like you believe something's gonna happen. So I, I pray for that man. He couldn't, he couldn't see, well, it was probably this far in front of his face out of one of his eyes, he couldn't see anything. We pray for him, his eye was completely open. He could see perfectly out of that eye as, as good as the other eye or better. And I wanna tell you, it's, it's, and I'm not tooting my horn, but I'm saying, look, we gotta, we gotta believe the word of God. We gotta believe that what we say is gonna happen. We gotta start speaking in faith and declaring things by faith. You do what Jesus did. If you see some lame people, the Lord tell you just, in the name of Jesus, you get up and walk and you start speaking what the Holy Spirit tells you to speak. Amen. Jesus said, you'll do the works that I did, but even greater. Listen, it's time for the church to stand up and start doing the works that Jesus did. It's time for us to start believing and speaking and declaring some things because this gospel is not a gospel of just words, it's a gospel of power. I've got some more I wanna say about this. I'm gonna talk about it some more next time. Next week is Timothy McCain, and I'm gonna talk about the power of God at work in your life some more next time. But I wanna invite you to pray with me right now because I believe the Lord wants to do some demonstrations in your life. I believe he wants to demonstrate his goodness in your life. I believe he wants to demonstrate his power in your family. I believe he wants to demonstrate the gospel at work in you and through you. And that when you go places, you're gonna see like Peter, he was walking down the street and people used to try to jump into his shadows so they could get healed. Why? Because he's doing the greater works. Jesus said, you'll do the works that I do, but even greater. But you gotta start believing some things are gonna happen, amen? I wanna pray for you right now. And I, I, was, I was just talking to the Lord earlier before the service. And I felt like the Lord was saying, there's somebody you're watching today and you've got scoliosis. I'm not 100% sure what that is. I think it's something with your spine, a problem with your spine. And I'm gonna declare something right now. You're healed in the name of Jesus. I command in the name of Jesus, the scoliosis to go and I speak that you're healed. I want you right now to agree with me. Touch that screen right now, if that's you, and you agree with me right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we command this person to be made whole. I thank you, Lord, for a demonstration of power in their lives. I thank you, Lord, for healing in the name of Jesus. Somebody else you're watching, you've got problems in your neck. You've got some kind of pain. Even right now, you can just feel that thing like a throbbing pain in your neck. 
reach out, touch the screen as just your point of contact. Agree with me right now. In the name of Jesus, we say, be healed, be made whole from that thing. I thank you, Lord, for healing that neck in the name of Jesus. Somebody else, your, your right eye, I don't know if it's what it is, if it's there's something going on in your right eye. Right now in the Lord, in the name of Jesus, we command that eye be made whole. I pray it'll just work properly, and I speak that it will work properly in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your name that's above every name. I thank you, you've given us the name of Jesus, and we use that name right now, Lord, over every person's life. I pray wholeness. I pray joy. I pray peace of God. I pray provision. I speak the name of Jesus over every person that's watching today. Listen, if you're watching right now and your life isn't right with Jesus, I don't know how you made it this far in the sermon, but right now I want to tell you something. Jesus loves you. He died for you. He's, he died to make you whole in your life. And right now, if you want to make your life right with Jesus, I want you to agree with me and say, Jesus, Forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Make me new. Make me whole today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your power that's at work within us. Lord, I thank you for a demonstration this week of the power of God. Whether we're in our homes, maybe talking to someone on the phone or by video, and we just start declaring the power of God at work in the people we're talking to. Maybe we're in a store and we just speak the power of God. But listen, I, Lord, I believe that we're gonna see the greater things. I believe that we're gonna see a demonstration of power in our lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you today. We thank you for the power of God that's at work in each person's life. Lord, I thank you that they're going to see it demonstrated today, Lord. Lord, we lift up. I've still been praying. Shelly and Janice Patterson are healed in the name of Jesus, and I speak that over them. Lord, I thank you for the demonstration of power in their lives. Lord, I thank you that each person today is experiencing the demonstration of power, Lord, that you've called them to that comes by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for blessing each person today. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Remember next week, really gonna be an awesome service with Timothy McCain. And then in two weeks for Mother's Day, I hope you can join us outside for the drive-in service. We'll let you know some more information about those things. But God bless you today. I hope that you have a great week. We hope to see you on Wednesday night for our worship time. God bless you.